0: Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church, Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm gonna have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. Good morning. What a good day, right? We are being led by our students, and it is good. Actually, if you are in middle school or high school, if you are in grades six through twelve. I know you're gonna hate this, but will you stand up? Will you stand up for me? Whether you go to our youth group or not, if you're in grades six through 12, stand up, okay? Keep standing, keep standing, amen. If you serve in youth ministry, if you are one of our leaders or volunteers in youth ministry, will you please stand? And students keep standing, keep standing, yes. And hey, if you are a kid, please stand up. And in kids ministry, Do you serve in kids' ministry? You can be a big kid too. Church, isn't this awesome? Let's celebrate this. Let's celebrate this. Yes. All right, you guys can sit down. I know you loved every minute of that. But in the Vineyard, we believe that everyone gets to play. And we are doing that this weekend. Our youth have taken over the services. And I love it. And it's good. and if we haven't met yet, if we haven't met, uh, my name is Brett and I get to be the pastor for the middle school and high school youth ministries here at the church. Yes, thanks for the woos. Um, my family and I, uh, right here, we have been attending the church for just over two years. And actually July 1st was my two years on staff here at VCDC, so it is good. Yes, thank you, yes. My wife, who you saw up here leading worship with the middle school worship team, she and I are coming up on 17 years of marriage. And thank you. Yes. And uh, my son just turned 13. His name is Trust. He's going into seventh grade and Story turned eight and she's going into third grade. So that is our family if we haven't met yet. Well, today I get to continue our series in Galatians called Live Free, and we're taking a look, um, especially at this letter of Paul and what it means to live free, to live in freedom and not in bondage. And Paul lays out in Galatians that real freedom is found according um, to the gospel, living a life according to the gospel of Jesus, and it is good, not of bondage. But since all meaning is dependent on context, we don't wanna ever just try to cram our thoughts or cram our meaning in one or two verses. What we wanna do is find the foundation and just pull meaning out of that. We wanna know who's writing this. There's a real person writing this letter. Um, who are they writing to? Why are they writing it? What are these people going through? There's a real intent and we wanna pull meaning out of that. So um, in case you missed previous weeks, let's just do a little refresher and I'll get on the same page. Um, Who wrote this? Paul. And Paul was his Greek name. He also went by Saul, which was his Hebrew name. And they are living in a multilingual world and culture. But since a lot of his ministry was towards the Greek speaking people, he went by his Greek name, Paul. And he is writing to this church in Galatia, which we call Turkey today. And he is addressing these bad teachers, these false teachings that have been getting around the early church saying that of Gentiles, basically people who are not Jewish, if they want to be Christians, well, then they need to keep the laws and customs of the Jews. And these teachings must have been really convincing because we heard in Andrew's talk a couple weeks ago that even Peter and Barnabas, some of our spiritual giants, get caught up in these teachings and pressures as well. These teachers were even calling Paul's authority his character into question, his motives, his role as a leader, uh, even him being an apostle, they're all calling into question. So with so many convincing thoughts and beliefs, fighting for the early church's attention and trying to offer them another purpose, Paul is lovingly, he keeps his love on and lovingly and firmly reminds the early church that it is in Jesus alone that we are saved. It's not Jesus and what we can earn. It's not Jesus and the law, it's just Jesus. And Andrew uh, shared this uh, passage last week, but I think Galatians two verse 21 um, really communicates, I think the heart of where I wanna go today. Let's check it out. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless for if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there is no need for Christ to die. That's such a powerful verse. So we are gonna jump into Galatians 3. I'm gonna look at the New Living Translation, the NLT. Um, And since we are gonna look at a giant passage today, I just wanna encourage you, don't try to just get by or get through. I mean, we're gonna read a lot of verses. Uh, Try not to fall asleep. But uh, what I wanna encourage you to do is start now, asking the Holy Spirit to show you at least one thing. Even while we're reading the text, as I'm speaking today, Start now asking the Holy Spirit to remind you of something that maybe you forgot, to refresh you in something. Maybe even asking him to show you one new thing um, that you didn't know. Maybe even ask him, God, what's one thing I could get prayer for today? Or what's one thing I can start living out right now, right? So let's jump into our passage of Galatians chapter three. And I'm gonna start in verse six. In the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the scriptures looked forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Dear brothers and sisters, here's an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement, so it is in this case. God gave the promises to Abraham and his child. And notice that the scripture doesn't say to his children as if it meant many descendants. Rather, it says to his child. And that, of course, means Christ. This is what I am trying to say. The agreement God made with Abraham could not be canceled 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses. God would be breaking his promise. For if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, then it would not be the result of accepting God's promise. But God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins but the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his law through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. Now a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement, but God, who is one, did not use a mediator when he gave his promise to Abraham. Is there conflict then between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. Okay, wow, that was a lot. I know you are gonna have to nudge a neighbor, wake them back up. They might be drooling on your shoulder, but I know that was a long passage and it is a hard passage. Inspo probably did not jump off the screen to you. You're probably not weeping from just reading it at face value. And it is a hard passage of Paul. I think one of the hardest passages of Paul. But if we do some digging, there's some really good life lessons in this. There's some really good nuggets, some really good takeaways. And Paul is giving us a roadmap. He's giving us the keys on how to fit together the Old Testament in New Testament as one. So let's do some digging. Let's find some gold nuggets. Let's look at three lessons from Galatians 3. Gold, nug- gold nugget number one. We are saved by a promise that's been there since the beginning. Let's look back at verse 8. What's more, the scriptures look forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago. And just to pause for a second, I don't know if you know this, but in ancient writing, like we find in the Bible, um, a lot of it was read out loud. A lot of people would hear this read aloud. And so authors often would repeat phrases or they would repeat words. And so if you ever like read your Bible in the Old Testament, New Testament, and you're wondering why there's so much repetition It's because the author is trying to make a point. They didn't bold things. They didn't underline it. They didn't circle it. They didn't put like sparkles or smiley faces to say, this is important. What they would do is they would repeat it. And so whenever we see a word or a phrase being repeated in scripture, the author is trying to say, this is important. And check this out. Just in chapter three, 11 times Galatians mentions Abraham. 12 times it mentions Paul promise, this promise of God to Abraham. And 13 times, it mentions the word faith. Paul is saying, this is huge. And actually, when you look in scripture, that's a lot of repetition. This is really important. This is massive. This promise to Abraham received on faith is crucial. Paul is saying it is vital to our faith. And going back to those bad teachers Paul, like a ninja, does not take the bait, right? They're trying to trap him and they're trying to say that because he's adding this new covenant, he's adding on, that that's not good. But Paul, so carefully and like a ninja, points out that this message, this promise of freedom has always been there and he takes it back to Abraham. So let's look at verse eight one more time. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago. So what is this promise and where did it all begin? This promise started with Abraham when he was known as Abram. And we see this in Genesis 12, verses two and three. And it's that promise where God promised Abraham a child, but also says that his descendants will be as numerous as the stars. And we see it pop up again in Genesis 13, verses 15 and 16. Another way in Genesis 17, verse eight. And again, in Genesis 24, verse seven. Let's look at Genesis 12, verse three. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. And then a few chapters later in chapter 15, God seals this promise by doing something that seems probably really strange to us, really weird to us today. But once we understand why God's doing this, it's actually pretty amazing. He makes a covenant. He makes a contract with Abraham. And this is how he does it. He tells Abraham to bring him some animals, cut them in half, and make an aisle with the pieces to walk between. And that seems really weird. That seems really strange to, to us today. But that's not just some weird Bible thing. This was a weird world thing. This is what the world did. People who didn't follow God did this. When neighbors were making an important agreement, this is how they sealed the agreement when people were conducting business in that day, this is how they made contracts. This was something that God was adopting and adapting from their world that Abraham would know because God loves to speak to us in a way that we understand. And if you look at chapter 15 more, he doesn't really tell Abraham how to do it. Abraham has seen this done. Maybe he hasn't even done it with a neighbor himself and he just knows what to do and what God is asking him. And the cool thing is, is that even uh, conquering kings would have the losing king walk between the pieces. So then God puts Abraham into a deep sleep and tells him basically what's gonna happen for generations to come. Let's look at Genesis 15, verses 17 and 18. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces, which is God. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. So here's the cool part. God walks between the pieces. And this is huge. This is massive. Because like I said, conquering kings would have the losing king walk between the pieces. In this covenant, in this contract, it's basically saying, if I break this agreement, may I be cut up and cut off. I will deserve to die just like these animals did. And here we see God, the God of the universe, the king of the universe, walking between the pieces, right? And so God is saying to Abraham and to his people, his descendants, if I break this agreement, may I, holy God, be cut up and cut off. I will deserve to die just like these animals did. And it should have been Abraham, right? Broken humans, the fall, Adam and Eve, walking between the pieces. But here we see, even back then, it is God who walks between the pieces. And this promise is no longer dependent on Abraham keeping his promise, but now on God keeping his. And even though humans immediately begin to fail and fall and mess up, and God has every right to say, you broke your end of the agreement, I now can break mine. But he doesn't. God still chooses to keep his promises to Abraham with Jesus. Let's look back at chapter three of Galatians, verses 13 and 14. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who was hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham. So that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. I think it's important to look at verses 16 and 17 again as well. God gave the promises to Abraham and his child or in their language, seed. And notice that scripture doesn't say to his children or seeds in their language, as if it meant many descendants, rather it says to his child, seed. And that of course means Christ. This is what I'm trying to say. The agreement God made with Abraham could not be canceled 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses. God would be breaking his promise. And this is so much more than just land or inheritance or wealth for Abraham. See, when the scripture uses the word seed or child in this text, it means Jesus. And this is so huge because even back then, it's pointing to the Messiah. It's pointing to Jesus. This is more than just what's in front of Abraham. This is about a blessing and a future blessing. And whenever scripture would mention blessing, People back then would know that this is important. When God chooses to bless someone, it is a big deal, right? This isn't something that you just skim over or skip over. And the early church would not have just skipped over this blessing. This is more than what's just in front of Abraham. And I think sometimes we get focused or we get distracted by what's right in front of us, don't we? That we miss what Jesus wants to do in the long run, Did you know that it was 2,000 years from this promise with Abraham to Mary and Jesus? And this is a good encouragement for us today that we don't have to settle. We don't have to give up the long-term blessing of God for a short-term immediate fix or compromise. And what a great reminder that God has proven time and time again and that he always keeps his promises. He is always faithful. Even if we draw away or we push God away, he never quits, he never gives up, right? Our love may fail him, but his love will never fail us. We might even decide to quit on him or leave him or hit the pause button, but he never leaves. He always stays. And in my experience, he even comes closer in those moments. And when we're in those moments when everyone else is gone, we feel utterly alone, Sometimes he's the only one there. God is still in the business of loving, broken, messy, and perfect people like us. And he's good at it. And if you've already begun maybe to relate to something that has already been said today in a little bit, I am going to invite you to get prayer. Or if you're feeling, I don't know, even cut off or pushed away from God, just know that that's not his heart. And I'm gonna invite you to get prayer if you're feeling that today because he wants us to live free. He wants to live in freedom because we are saved by a promise and it is a strong promise. Our faith is built on a strong promise that's been there since the beginning. All right, let's do some more digging. Number two, we are saved by a promise and it's for all people. This promise is for all people. And just for sake of time, I wish I had more time to focus on this. but we don't have a lot of time today. So I have to move quickly through it. But I feel like Andrew's talk a couple weeks ago um, started to scratch this and did uh, really well. So check that out. But I do think it's important to spend a little bit of time here in verse eight, that it does mention all nations. Let's look at verse eight and nine again. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. And Paul is addressing the early church as they begin to separate from these non-Jewish Christians or the Gentiles. Paul is saying that this isn't right. This promise, our faith, Jesus just didn't die for some nations. He didn't just die for the people that we're cool with or comfortable with or the people that agree with us. No, he died for all nations, all people, including the Gentiles, including you, including me, us today, anyone created in the image of God, this is for, even our enemies. And I know this was good for me because I didn't grow up in the church. And so when I first became a Christian, I didn't really truly believe that God really fully accepted me and loved me, right? And I know when... I went from seeing God as my enemy to God not being my enemy in an instant. When he went from not being real to real, I knew this faith, this promise was for me too, for us as well. And not just 50% of it, not 80% of it, not 92% of it, but 100% of this faith, of this promise is for all of us, broken, messy, imperfect people like me. And because of that, we can all believe the words of Paul in Romans 8. Check out verse one. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. I love that verse. And then if we skip down to verses 38 and 39 of Romans 8, and again, notice how many times Paul repeats, neither and nor trying to make a point for I'm convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither the present nor the future nor any powers neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord nothing can separate us from that but if this is not in us if this is not in our core if it's only up here and not circling around and here we're going to leak And we're gonna leak judgment. We're gonna leak anger because that's how we feel, right? We won't forgive, we'll stay hurt and continue to hurt others. Church, we need to get this in us. We need to let this soak in us. We need to feel it and believe it into our core because we're gonna have to go out there and show God's love to anyone made in the image of God. We're gonna have to show his love even to our enemies. But I feel like some of us today, Maybe we feel like we're on the outside or maybe that we're not good enough, right? That 50%, maybe we can relate to that. Or maybe God blesses others, but he doesn't really bless me. Or he blesses others more than he blesses me. And if you're wrestling with that today, I wanna encourage you in a little bit to get prayer for that because that is not his heart. See, we can live free because we are saved by a promise and it's for all people. All right, let's do some digging. Number three, we are saved by a promise and it's by faith, not something we can earn. Let's go back to Galatians 3, verse 11. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. And if you're like me, You probably have a massive to do list. You know, at least in my life, my world, I've got two ministries. There's leaders, there's students, there's worship bands. Uh, There's a lot to do, there's events to plan for, summer camp coming up. Even Youth Takeover had a lot of stuff to do, and we had a big checklist. and maybe in your world, I don't know, maybe you've used programs like Trello or Slack or a CRM for your job or money.com or maybe to keep track of your family stuff or your family to-dos. You've got other apps to keep track of all that, right? And it can feel good sometimes to just check that stuff off. I know when you've got like a big item, sometimes it just feels good to check it off. But I think sometimes we can treat our walk with God, this faith, sometimes as a big to-do list or even a list of right and wrongs. And the problem with treating our faith as something that we can just check off or earn is that that's something we can control. We can control that. We can manipulate that. We can earn that. And that doesn't require a savior. See, faith requires a savior. It isn't something that we can control or someone that we can manipulate or go to loan or even earn. Paul is reminding the early church that the law in this text was intended for good, but it still falls short of what we now have in Jesus. The law initially was good. God wasn't trying to be mean to his people. He was trying to give them ways to eat better, to live longer, healthier lives, to have better relationships with their neighbor, to have healthier marriages. Think about like today we have like life coaches, health coaches, um, doctors and counselors and all those things that are good. God was doing that for his people. He was like the ultimate life coach, health coach. He was relating with his people. But at the core of the law was to reveal that we fall short and need God. We can never keep the law 100%. And that's just it. One little mess up, one little break of the law, and we've broken the whole thing. It was just to show that we fall short and need God. We're not saved by being good enough. We still need a savior. I wanna share a story. Um, My family and I, years ago, uh, I was a youth pastor at Vineyard Columbus for almost a decade. And we started to feel this tug from the Holy Spirit to take a huge risk and sell everything and move to California. And it was, Terrifying. We had my daughter, who's eight now, was five months old. We had a newborn baby. Um, and on top of that, I felt like God asked me to take this leap of faith without having a job lined up. In which, I wish I was more of a heroic model for everybody, but I kind of had a little argument with God, like, well, hold on. The wisdom you taught me was, don't move my family across the country with a newborn baby without a job in sight. And the Holy Spirit just told me, Brett, who's your Lord, me or a job? And I said, yeah, but the wisdom you've taught me is don't move across the country without a job. He said, Brett, who's your Lord, me or a job? So I humbled myself. I said, okay, we'll take this leap of faith. And you know, as I'm wrestling through stuff and we're getting things ready, um, a friend came to me and and actually someone I looked up to at the time and just said, Brett, what if you're making a huge mistake? hit me like, wow, thanks. That's really what I want to hear right now (laughs) when I'm wrestling with that, wondering if I'm making a huge mistake, taking this leap of faith. Um, But it really showed me in that moment how we view God. Do we view God as this mean and punishing God just waiting for us to mess up? Like, just make a mistake. I can't wait to get you. Or do we really see God as this loving father, this loving God who gives us freedom to take risks, freedom to make mistakes, freedom to fail and fail forward. And I told my friend and this person I looked up to at the time um, was basically, I make mistakes every day in Columbus, Ohio. I'm gonna make mistakes in California, but that same loving God is gonna take care of me and my family just like he does here. And he did and then crazy leap of faith back to Ohio five years later, but God is so good and it challenges our view of God. Do we see a God who is loving, that we have freedom to take risks, to make mistakes, right? And they even asked me like, Brett, are you giving up your calling? I, you know, I'm like, no, no, no. My calling is to follow God. And right now he's calling me to follow him to California. And that's what I need to be obedient in, right? In verse 12, Galatians 3, Paul is addressing this bad teaching again. This way of faith, he says, this way of faith is very different from the way of law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. See, this bad teaching said that you have to have faith and you have to obey the law, then you can be saved. But Paul's saying that's not right. Christianity, our faith is you have faith and you're saved. Then that leads us to obedience, right? And this is huge. This is basically two different beliefs. This is two different religions. One is by works that we can earn and doesn't require a savior. And one is by faith given to us as a gift that requires a savior. And whichever one is in us will affect everything else we do. Either we trust Jesus on his promise and live free and live in freedom or we bind ourselves under the curse of the law. Let's break it down just a little bit more. See, bad teaching requires others to obey and follow the rules first, even before they can be saved. Or once you get saved, you better catch up. You better get in line fast and follow these rules. But faith, Christianity says, no, no, no. Come and meet Jesus as you are. Come and meet Jesus. And once you get to know him, then you wanna follow him. Then you'll wanna do things for him, right? I got saved, walked with him for 20 years, got to know him. Then I wanted to move to California. It's a, I have to do it versus I want to do it. You see the difference? See, we can live free. We can live a life of freedom because we are saved by a promise that's been there since the beginning. It's for all people and it's by faith, not something we can earn. Right, I wanna invite the high school worship team to come on up. We're gonna do a couple songs of worship. but before, As they come up, I wanna end with a story. Going back to California, taking this big leap of faith, I had a bulletproof plan all laid out that if I didn't find a job in 12 to 15 months, my family was gonna be okay. Even without a job lined up, we sold all of our possessions. We're taking this huge leap of faith and we put our house on the market and we were in contract within a couple of days. Felt like a God thing. Our realtor, uh, who was our friend, her husband worked with me in youth ministry at Vineyard Columbus. That felt like a God thing. Um, The market wasn't um, in a place where we were gonna make money on our house. Uh, We were gonna make money on our house. That felt like a God thing. And the people buying our house, we found out we're friends of ours. And actually that husband worked with uh, me at Vineyard Columbus in youth ministry. That felt like a God thing. So we're like, okay, God is in this, let's do this. And so we got everything ready and we moved to California and we just said, hey, we'll sign, we'll sign the papers digitally once we get boots in California, right? So we got a couple weeks in California, things are going great. And around November 23rd, a couple of days before Thanksgiving, we get a phone call and it's our friends that are buying the house and they are in tears. And I'm like, oh no. And the husband begins to explain that, although she was a nurse for over 10 years, at the hospital she worked at, great person, doing a great job. Her hospital decided to have budget cuts and she was randomly chosen. And so everything fell through. She was let go and the contract was broken and everything fell through. And now we're paying rent in California and we're paying for a house in Ohio. And my bulletproof plan of 12 to 15 months, fell apart. And we only had a couple months before we were game over. And that question started popping back up. What if I made a huge mistake? What if I heard God wrong? And then just embarrassment and pride that you wrestle through. And we're getting down to our last month uh, of money that we have to pay bills. And like, I think we're gonna have to move back. We're gonna have to call family and move in with them. And I'm crying at the top of the steps one night. It's probably like 1 a.m., 2 a.m., couldn't sleep, kind of wake up stressed and sweating. And um, again, I wish I was the model. I wish I was heroic, but it was pathetic. I was crying, arguing, crying, arguing with God. And I'm like, God, we need help. I think I heard you wrong. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit just said in a whisper, Release your house. And I got mad <laughs> and I, I said, I'm trying to, there's a sign right there in the yard. It says, for sale, my friend, who's trying to sell the house for us back in Ohio, we could use some help. I am trying to release the house. We could use some help. And God is so loving. Jesus said, release your home. And I said, fine, whatever authority you've given me, I release this house in the name of Jesus, amen. And I wiped my tears and snot and I went to bed. It wasn't really the model way to do it, but I'm human, right? And I I wake up and I think my brother-in-law could just see that I wasn't doing well. And so he took me out to lunch that day to try to cheer me up, but I really wasn't in the cheer up kind of mood. And um, so we're driving back and I'm telling all myself, I'm telling him about my amazing prayer time in the middle of the night with God. And uh, we get a phone call and it's, our realtor. And she said, Hey, good news. The house is sold. And I'm like, yes, but I still don't have a job. And now we're in our last like $200. Uh, I think I even had to borrow money from my father-in-law. And I was like, this isn't sustainable. This plan is not sustainable. I still think we might have to move back to Ohio. And uh, that week um, I was on a prayer walk and I felt like God told me, create a resume for this specific role. I, again, I'm not the model. I was like, God, I'm not qualified for that. I don't have experience in that. He said, put together a resume for this job. I said, okay. And the men's group was that night. I wanted to skip because I didn't want to bring everyone down, but I decided to go to men's group that night. And a guy who had not been to men's group for a while came that night. And he said, hey, um, how's the job hunt going? I was like, well, the house sold, but still don't have a job. I don't think we're gonna be able to stay here in California. And he said, hey, have you ever thought about doing, and the job that he mentioned was the resume I put together that day. And he said, hey, send that to me. I was like, so, I went to my Google Drive, sent him the resume, got a call that week, went through the interview process, and within two weeks um, I had a job and we were able to stay, right? And it was so cool because on November 23rd, we got the phone call that everything fell apart. My Bulletproof plan fell apart. But I think it was on February 23rd that our house sold. And it actually, it was actually March 23rd. I posted a day later, but March 23rd, I accepted a job. It was like, God was just trying to say, trying to say, I'm in control. I've got this, right? And I'm so glad that my bulletproof plan fell apart because I can't look back and brag about Brett Evans. I can only look back and brag that it was through Jesus, keeping his promise to our family that we made it and had a great five years in California. Jesus is faithful. He keeps his promises. He kept his promise back then and he keeps his promises today. See faith, Christianity is not what we can accomplish, but what can Jesus accomplish with us? Do we wanna see what we are capable of or do we wanna live a life and see what Jesus is capable of? We can live free because our faith was sealed with a promise. How might Jesus be inviting us to live this out today? Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.